0: part one chapter four of en route by karl translated by charles keegan paul this librivox recording is in the public domain oh that midnight mass he had had the unfortunate idea of going to it at christmas he went to st severin and found a young lady's day-school installed there instead of the choir who with sharp voices like needles knitted the worn-out skeins of the canticles he had fled to saint-sulpice and plunged into a crowd which walked and talked as if in the open air he had heard their choral society marches tea-garden waltzes firework tunes and had come away in a rage it had seemed to him superfluous to try saint germain des president for he held that church in horror besides the weariness inspired by its heavy ill-restored shell and the miserable paintings with which flandrin loaded it the clergy there were specially almost alarmingly ugly and the choir was truly infamous they were like a set of bad cooks boys who spat vinegar and elderly choir men who cooked in the furnace of their throats a sort of vocal broth a thin gruel of sound nor did he think of taking refuge in saint thomas aquinas where he dreaded the barking and the choruses there was indeed saint clotilde where the psalmody at least is upright and has not like that of saint thomas lost all shame he went there but again encountered dance-music and profane tunes a worldly orgy at last he went to bed in a rage saying to himself in paris at any rate a singular baptism of music is reserved for the new-born next day when he woke he felt he had no courage to face the churches the sacrileges of last night would he thought continue and as the weather was almost fine he went out wandered in the luxembourg gained the square of the observatoire and the boulevard de port royal and mechanically made his way along the interminable rue de la santé he knew that street of old and had taken melancholy walks in it attracted by its poor houses like those of a provincial town then it was fit for a dreamer for it was bounded on the right by the prison de la santé and saint anne's madhouse and on the left by convents light and air circulated in the street but behind it all was black it was a kind of prison corridor, with cells on either side, where some were condemned to temporary sentences, and others, of their own free will, suffered lasting sorrows. I can imagine, thought Durtal, how it would have been painted by an early Flemish master, the long street paved by patient pencils, the stories open from top to bottom, and the cupboards the same, and on one side massive cells with iron bedsteads, a stoneware jug, little peep-holes in the doors secured by strong bolts inside scoundrels and thieves gnashing their teeth turning round and round their hair on end howling like caged animals on the other side little rooms furnished with a pallet-bed a stoneware jug a crucifix these also closed by doors iron-banded and within nuns of monks kneeling on the flags their faces clean-cut against the light of a halo their eyes lifted to heaven their hands joined raised from the ground in ecstasy a pot of lilies at their side then at the back of the canvas between these two rows of houses rises a great avenue at the end of which in a dappled sky sits god the father with christ on his right choirs of seraphim playing on guitar and viol god the father immovable under his lofty tiara his breast covered by his long beard holds scales which balance exactly the holy captives expiating precisely by their penances and prayers the blasphemies of the rascals and the insane it must be admitted thought durtal that this street is very peculiar that there is probably none like it in paris for it unites in its course virtues and vices which in other quarters in spite of the efforts of the church trend apart as far as possible from each other thus thinking he had come as far as saint anne's where the street grows lighter and the houses are lower with only one or two stories then gradually there is greater space between them and they are only joined to each other by blank ends of walls at any rate thought durtal if this street has no distinction it is very private here at least one need not admire the impertinent decoration of those modern shops which expose in their windows as precious commodities chosen piles of firewood and in glass sweetmeat jars coal drops and coke lollipops. and here is an odd lane and he looked at an alley which led down a sharp decline into a main street where was to be seen the tricolour flag in zinc on a wash-house he read the name rue de l'Ebre. he entered it it was but a few yards long the whole of one side was occupied by a wall behind which were half seen some stunted buildings surmounted by a bell an entrance-gate with a square wicket was placed in the wall which was raised higher as it sloped downwards and at the end was pierced by round windows and rose into a little building surmounted by a clock-tower so low that its point did not even reach the height of the two-storied house opposite on the other side three hovels sloped down closely packed together zinc pipes ran everywhere growing like vines ramifying like the stalks of a hollow vine along the walls windows gaped on rusty leaden hinges dim courts of wretched hovels could be seen in one was a shed where some cows were reposing in two others were coach-houses for wheelchairs and a rack behind the bars of which appeared the capsuled necks of bottles but this must be a church thought durtal looking at the little clock tower and the three or four round bays which seemed cut out in emery paper to look like the black rough mortar of the wall where is the entrance he found it on turning out of the alley into the rue de la glacière a tiny porch gave access to the building he opened the door and entered a large room a sort of closed shed painted yellow with a flat ceiling with small iron beams coloured grey picked out with blue and ornamented with gas-jets like a wine-shop at the end was a marble altar six lighted tapers and gilt ornaments candelabra full of tapers and under the tabernacle a very small monstrance which sparkled in the light of the tapers it was almost dark the panes of the windows having been crudely daubed with bands of indigo and yellowish green it was freezing the stove was not alight and the church paved like a kitchen floor had no matting or carpet durtal wrapped himself up as best he could and sat down his eyes gradually grew accustomed to the obscurity of the room and what he saw was strange in front of the choir on rows of chairs were seated human forms drowned in floods of white muslin no one stirred suddenly there entered by a side door a nun equally wrapped from head to foot in a large veil she passed along the altar stopped in the middle threw herself on the ground kissed the floor and by a sudden effort without helping herself by her arms stood upright advanced silently into the church and brushed by durtal who saw under the muslin a magnificent robe of creamy white an ivory cross at her neck at her girdle a white cord and beads she went to the entrance door and there ascended a little staircase into a gallery which commanded the church he asked himself what could be this order so sumptuously arrayed in this miserable chapel in such a district Little by little the room filled choir-boys in red with capes trimmed with rabbit's skin lighted the candelabra went out and ushered in a priest vested in a grand cope with large flowers a priest tall and young who sat down and in a sonorous tone chanted the first antiphon of vespers suddenly Durtal turned round in the gallery an harmonium accompanied the responses of voices never to be forgotten was not a woman's voice but one having in it something of a child's voice sweetened purified sharpened and something of a man's but less harsh finer and more sustained an unsexed voice filtered through litanies bolted by prayers passed through the sieves of adoration and tears the priest still sitting chanted the first verse of the unchanging psalm dixit dominus meo." and durtal saw in the air in the gallery tall white statues holding black books in their hands chanting slowly with eyes raised to heaven a lamp cast its light on one of these figures which for a second leant forward a little and he saw under the lifted veil a face attentive and sorrowful and very pale the verses of the vesper psalms were now sung alternately by the nuns above and by the congregation below the chapel was almost full A school of girls in white veils filled one side little girls of the middle class poorly dressed brats who played with their dolls occupied the other there were a few poor women in sabots and no men the atmosphere became extraordinary the warmth of the souls thawed the ice of the room here were not the vespers of the rich such as were celebrated on sundays at saint sulpice but the vespers of the poor domestic vespers in the plain chant of the countryside followed by the faithful with mighty fervour in silent and singular devotion durtal could fancy himself transported beyond the city to the depths of some village cloister he felt himself softened his soul rocked by the monotonous amplitude of these chants only recognizing the end of the psalms by the return of the doxology the gloria Patri et filio which separated them from each other he had a real impulse a dim need of praying to the unknowable penetrated to the very marrow by this environment of aspiration it seemed to him that he thawed a little and took a far-off part in the united tenderness of these bright spirits he sought for a prayer and recalled what saint paphnutius taught thais when he cried thou art not worthy to name the name of god thou wilt pray only thus qui plasmasti me miserere mei, thou who hast formed me have mercy on me he stammered out the humble phrase Prayed not out of love or of contrition, but out of disgust with himself, unable to let himself go, regretting that he could not love. Then he thought of saying the Lord's Prayer, but stopped at the notion that this is the hardest of all prayers to pronounce, when the phrases are weighed in the balance. For in it we declare to God that we forgive our neighbours' trespasses. Now how many who use these words forgive others? How many Catholics do not lie when they tell the All-Knowing that they hate no one? He was roused from these reflections by sudden silence vespers were over then the organ played again and all the voices of the nuns joined those in the choir below and in the gallery above singing the old carol unto us a child is born he listened moved by the simplicity of the strain and suddenly in a minute brutally without understanding why infamous thoughts filled his mind he resisted in disgust wished to repulse the assault of these shameful feelings and they were persistent he seemed to see before him a woman whose perverse ways had long maddened him all at once this hallucination ceased his eye was mechanically attracted towards the priest who was looking at him while speaking in a low voice to a beadle he lost his head imagining that the priest guessed his thoughts and was turning him out but this notion was so foolish that he shrugged his shoulders and more sensibly thought that men were not admitted to this convent of women and that the abbe who had seen him was sending the beadle to beg him to leave the beadle came straight to him durtal was ready to take his hat when in persuasive and gentle tones that functionary said that the procession was about to begin that it was the custom for the gentlemen to follow the blessed sacrament and that although he was the only man there the abbe thought he would not refuse to follow the procession about to start overwhelmed by this request durtal made a vague gesture in which the beadle seemed to see assent no he thought as soon as he was left alone i will not meddle with the ceremony first i know nothing about it and i should spoil it all and again i will not make a fool of myself he prepared to slip away quietly but he had no time to carry out his intention the usher brought him a lighted candle and asked him to accompany him he put the best face he could on the matter and while thinking that he was blushing all over he followed the beadle to the altar there the beadle stopped him and bid him not to move the whole congregation was now standing the girls school divided into two files preceded by a woman carrying a banner durtal came in front of the first rank of nuns their veils lowered before the profane even in church were raised before the blessed sacrament before god durtal was able to look at these sisters for a moment at first his disillusion was complete he had supposed them pale and grave like the nun he had seen in the gallery and almost all of them were red freckled crossing their poor hands swelled and wounded by chilblains their faces were puffy and all seemed at the beginning or end of a cold they were evidently country girls and the novices known by their grey robes under the white veil were still more common-looking they had certainly been accustomed to farm labour and yet on seeing them all turned to the altar the poverty of their faces the ugliness of their hands blue with cold their broken nails injured in the wash disappeared Their eyes, modest and humble under their long lashes, changed their coarse features into pious simplicity. Lost in prayer, they did not even see his curious looks, and did not even suspect a man was there examining them. Durtal envied the admirable wisdom of these poor girls, who alone understood it was mad to wish to live. He thought, ignorance leads to the same result as knowledge. Among the Carmelites are rich and pretty women who have lived in the world and left it wholly convinced of the vainness of its joys and these nuns who evidently know nothing have had an intuition of that vacuity which it has needed years of experience for the others to gain by different ways they have arrived at the same meeting-place then what clearness of thought is revealed by their entrance into an order for if indeed they had not been gathered by christ what would have become of these unhappy girls married to drunkards and hammered by beatings or perhaps maids in taverns ill-treated by their masters brutalized by the other servants destined to the scorn of the streets and the dangers of ill-usage and without knowing anything they have avoided it all have remained innocent far from these perils and far from this defilement under an obedience which is not ignoble disposed by their very way of life to experience should they be worthy the most powerful joys which the soul of a human creature can feel they remain perhaps beasts of burthen but at any rate god's beasts of burden he had got so far in his reflections when the beadle beckoned to him the priest who had descended from the altar held the little monstrance the girl's procession was moving before him durtal passed in front of the line of nuns who did not take part in the ceremony and torch in hand he followed the beadle who carried behind the priest an open white silk parasol then the harmonium in the gallery filled the church with its drawling tones like an enlarged accordion and the nuns standing beside it intoned the old chant rhythmical as a march the adeste fideles while below the novices and the faithful repeated after each stanza the sweet chorus of invitation venite adoremus the procession went several times round the chapel above the heads bowed in the smoke from the censers which the choir boys swung turning at each pause to face the priest well after all i have not come so badly out of it said durtal to himself when they had returned to the altar he thought his part was finished but this time without asking his permission the beadle asked him to kneel at the communion rail in front of the altar he was ill at ease and annoyed at knowing that the whole school and the whole convent was behind him nor was he accustomed to kneel it seemed as if wedges were thrust into his limbs as if he were subjected to the tortures of the middle ages embarrassed by his taper which was guttering and threatened to cover him with spots he shifted his position quietly, trying to make himself more comfortable by slipping the skirts of his great-coat between his knees and the steps. But in moving he only increased the evil, his flesh was folded back between the bones, and his skin was chafed and burning. He sweated at last with the pain, and feared to distract the fervour of the community by falling. While the ceremony went on forever, the nuns sang in the gallery, but he listened no more and applauded the length of the service. At last the moment of benediction approached then in spite of himself seeing himself there so near to god durtal forgot his sufferings and bowed his head ashamed to be so placed like a captain at the head of his company in the first rank of this maiden troop and when in a great silence the bell tinkled and the priest turning lightly cut the air in the form of a cross and with the blessed sacrament blessed the congregation kneeling at his feet durtal remained his body bent his eyes closed seeking to hide himself to make himself small and not be seen there in front amid that pious crowd the psalm laudate dominum omnes gentes rang out when the beadle came to take his taper durtal could hardly resist a cry when he had to stand up his benumbed knees cracked and their joints would hardly work yet he regained his place somehow let the crowd pass and approaching the beadle asked him the name of the convent and the order to which the nuns belonged they are the franciscan missionaries of mary answered the man but the chapel is not theirs as you seem to think it is a chapel of ease for the parish of saint-marcel de la maison blanche it is only joined by a corridor to the house those sisters occupy behind us there in the rue de l'èbre they join in the offices in fact just as you and i may do and they keep a school for the children of the district it is a touching little chapel thought durtal when he was alone it is well matched with the neighbourhood it shelters with the gloomy brook of the tanners which runs through the yards below the rue de la glacière it gives me the effect of being to notre dame de paris what its neighbour the bievre is to the seine it is the streamlet of the church the pious pavement the miserable suburb of worship how poor and yet how exquisite are those nuns voices which seem non-sexual and mellow god knows how i hate the voice of a woman in the holy place for it still remains unclean i think woman always brings with her the lasting miasma of her indispositions and she turns the psalms sour then all the same vanity and concupiscence rise from the worldly voice and its cries of adoration accompanied by the organ are only cries of carnal desire its very pleadings in the most sombre liturgical hymns are only addressed to god from the lips outward for at bottom a woman only mourns the mediocre ideal of earthly pleasure to which she cannot attain thus i thoroughly understand that the church has rejected woman from her offices and that the musical robe of her sequences may not be contaminated she employs the voices of the boy and the man yet in convents of women that is changed it is certain that prayer communion abstinence and vows purify the body and the soul as well as the vocal odour which proceeds from them the emanations from them give to the voices of the nuns however crude however ill-trained they may be their chaste inflections their simple caresses of pure love they recall to it the ingenuous sounds of childhood in certain orders they seem even to prune it of the greater part of its branches and concentrate the threads of sap which remain in a few twigs and he thought of a carmelite convent to which he had gone from time to time remembering their failing almost expiring voices where the little health that remained to them was concentrated in three notes voices which had lost the musical colours of life the tints of open air keeping only in the cloister those of the costumes they seemed to reflect white and brown chaste and sombre tones ah those carmelites he thought of them now as he descended the rue de la glaciere and he called up the memory of a profession the thought of which took entire possession of him every time he meditated on convents he saw again in memory a morning in the little chapel in the avenue de Saxe, a chapel spanish gothic in style with narrow windows glazed with panes so dark that the light which remained in their colours did not pass through them at the end rose the high altar in shade raised on six steps on the left a large iron grating in an arch was covered with a black curtain and on the same side but almost at the base of the altar a little arch traced on the plain wall like a lancet window with an aperture in the middle a sort of square a frame without a panel empty that morning the chapel cold and dark sparkled lighted by groves of candles and the odor of incense not adulterated as in other churches by spices and gums filled it with a dull smoke it was crammed with people crouched in a corner durtal had turned round and like his neighbors looked at the backs of the thurifers and priests who were going towards the entrance the door opened suddenly and he saw in a burst of daylight a red vision of the cardinal archbishop of paris passing up the nave turning from side to side a horse-like head in front of it a big bespectacled nose bending his tall form all on one side blessing the congregation with a long twisted hand like a crab's claw he and his suite ascended the altar steps and knelt at a prix-dieu. then they took off his tippet and vested him in a silk chasuble with a white cross embroidered in silver and the mass began shortly before the communion the black veil was gently withdrawn behind the high grating and in a bluish light like that of the moon durtal faintly saw white phantoms gliding and stars twinking in the air and close to the grating a woman's form kneeling motionless on the ground she too holding a star at the end of a taper the woman did not move but the star shook then when the moment of communion was at hand the woman rose then disappeared and her head as if decapitated filled the square of the wicket opened in the arch then as he leant forward he saw for a second a dead face with closed lids white eyeless like ancient marble statues and all passed away as the cardinal bent above the grating with the ciborium in his hand all was so rapid that he asked himself if he were not dreaming the mass was over behind the iron grating resounded mournful psalms slow chants drawn out weeping always on the same notes wandering lights and white forms passed in the azure fluid of the incense monseigneur richard was sitting mitre on head interrogating the postulant who had returned to her place and was kneeling before him behind the grating he spoke in a low voice and could not be heard the whole congregation bent to listen to the novice as she pronounced her vows but only a long murmur was heard durtal remembered that he had elbowed his way and got near the choir where through the crossed bars of the grating he saw the woman clad in white prostrate on her face in a square of flowers while the whole convent filed past bending over her intoning the psalms for the dead and sprinkling her with holy water like a corpse it is admirable he cried moved in the street by the memory of the scene and he thought of what a life was that of these women to lie on an hair mattress without pillow or sheets, to fast seven months out of the twelve, except on Sundays and feasts, always to eat, standing, vegetables and abstinence fair, to have no fire in winter, to chant for hours on ice-cold tiles, to scourge the body, to become so humble as, however tenderly nurtured, to wash up dishes with joy, and attend to the meanest tasks, to pray from morning to midnight, even to fainting, to pray there till death they must indeed pity us and set themselves to expiate the imbecility of a world which treats them as hysterical fools for it cannot even understand the joy in suffering of souls like these we cannot be proud of ourselves in thinking of the carmelites or even of those humble franciscan tertiaries who are after all more vulgar it is true that they do not belong to a contemplative order but all the same their rules are very strict Their existence is so hard that they too can atone by their prayers and good works for the crimes of the city they protect. He grew enthusiastic in thinking of the convents. Ah, to be earthed up among them, sheltered from the herd, not to know what books appear, what newspapers are printed, never to know what goes on outside one's cell, among men, to complete the beneficent silence of this cloistered life, nourishing ourselves with good actions, refreshing ourselves with plain song saturating ourselves with the inexhaustible joys of the liturgies then who knows by force of goodwill and by ardent prayer to succeed in coming to him in entertaining him feeling him near us perhaps almost satisfied with his creature and he called up before him the joys of those abbeys in which jesus abode he remembered that astonishing convent of unterlinden near colmar where in the thirteenth century not only one or two nuns but the whole convent rose distractedly before christ with cries of joy nuns were lifted above the ground others heard the songs of seraphim and their emaciated bodies secreted balm others became transparent or were crowned with stars all these phenomena of the contemplative life were visible in that cloister a high school of mysticism thus wrapped in thought he found himself at his own door without remembering the road he had taken and as soon as he was in his room his whole soul dilated and burst forth he desired to thank to call for mercy to appeal to someone he knew not whom to complain of he knew not what all at once the need of pouring himself forth of going out of himself took shape and he fell on his knees saying to our lady have pity on me and hear me i would rather anything than continue this shaken existence these idle stages without an aim Pardon me, holy virgin, unclean as I am, for I have no courage for the battle. I wouldst thou grant my prayer. I know well that I am overbold in daring to ask, since I am not even resolved to turn out my soul, to empty it like a bucket of filth, to strike it on the bottom, that the lees may trickle out and the scales fall off. But, but, thou knowest I am so weak, so little sure of myself, that in truth I shrink or oh, all the same i would desire to flee away a thousand miles from paris i know not where into a cloister my god yet this is very madness that i speak for i could not stay two days in a convent nor indeed would they take me in then he thought though this once i am less dry less unclean than is my wont i can find nothing to say to our lady but insanities and follies when it would be so simple to ask her pardon to beg her to have pity on my desolate life, to aid me to resist the demands of my vices, not to pay as I do the royalties on my nerves, the tax on my senses, all the same, he said, rising enough of this, I will at least do what little I can without more delay. I will go to the abbe to-morrow I will explain the struggle of my soul, and we will see what happens afterwards. End of part One, Chapter Four.